Welcome to Guy at the Movies Live, your weekly source for the biggest movie news and discussion with special guests popping in along the way. This is episode four. As always, if you are watching live here on YouTube as part of Guy at the Movies Live, I will be interacting with your comments throughout the show as best as I can, so fire away. If you're listening via the Guy at the Movies podcast, head over to the link on Anchor or hit the link in the episode description to leave a voice message. In future episodes, I will be playing and responding to some of them at the end of the show. So this is a special episode for us. It's a special night for the podcast. We will henceforth be known as the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean because the esteemed math teacher movies himself, Sean Phillips, joins us as the new permanent co-host of the pod. Sean, damn fine to have you here. Oh, it is damn fine to be here, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Very happy to have you. Uh, Really excited for all the discussions that we're going to have over the course of this and every pod. Uh, So we'll start off with what we're watching in a little bit. Uh, But I do have a little bit of a surprise for you, which may freak you out. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) You ready? So... First and foremost, we uh, are going to be debuting a new logo with the release of this podcast, uh, this episode. Um, so that's exciting. But there is, you know, something with the previous logo that is uh, kind of fun. And we went and got something made for you. <laughs> um, so here it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it turned out really well. <laughs> See, this is lovely. This is me as a Simpsons character. They even got the drink that I had right <laughs> Um, now, I, I do understand that cartoons are uh, very, very uh, apt at um, accentuating certain features, but I now know that I definitely give way too much teeth when I smile. Um, this is, uh, <laughs> those, those are terrifying. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the chest hair and like wondering. <laughs> I am very, very, <laughs> very proud of my chest hair. And this just makes me terrified to wonder if do, do Simpsons have chest hair? Um, and I do like that. I'm definitely breaking some sort of open container lot by drinking in a field. (laughs) There's no rules anymore. We're in a pandemic. (laughs) You you know what? Pandemic rules drink wherever you can. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So we, uh, for those listening on the podcast, we will, uh, put this up on, um, I'll put it up on the guy at the movies, Instagram, uh, and then Sean, I'll send it over to you. So you have it. Um, and we'll be doing some fun stuff with that in the future, but I thought I'd share. I actually just got that, uh, this afternoon. So. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Pretty entertaining, right? Perfect. <laughs> we're going to see it all over the place now. You're, you're playing coy, but I know you love it. All right. So oh, I'll bring up <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to uh, incorporate a new part to the show each week now, and it's going to be what we are watching. And between the two of us, we watch a ton of stuff. I know we overlap a lot as well. We were talking pretty much after like every movie we watched this past week. Like, what was that? Or did you see this? Or what did you think of this? So what have you been watching? Well, um, I'm just going to go with uh, probably what was my, uh, you know, it's tough to say what my favorite movie of the weekend was. Um, but uh, I think uh, the one that's pretty popular um, is uh, Palm Springs oh, with yeah. uh, the new Andy Samberg comedy. Um, I personally love this one. Um, it's one of the more fun comedies out there. You can, for 90 minutes, you can enjoy yourself, but also actually think a little bit and feel a lot. This had a lot of thought behind it. I was thoroughly impressed with this movie. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Like it when I think back to it, it is it's it, it's a simple movie in a lot of ways. Like it of course takes the time loop and runs with that and um that can get overly complicated, but it doesn't here and it's just kind of it's a very genuine movie. It's a lot of fun. Um Andy Samberg has never been better. Uh yes. the whole cast was great. Um yeah, I just I, I really really liked it and the news broke later this afternoon that it was Hulu's most watched original in the first three days or most watched film ever, I guess in the first three days that it was available. Um, so that's pretty cool. Interesting moment there because, um, I did see that on your, um, on your Instagram and, uh, I was kind of surprised by it because, you know, Hulu does have some popular stuff and they are cranking out a lot of original content lately. Um, but this just shows you kind of the draw that Sandberg has and because people were just saying Sandberg comedy and, Everyone said, okay, that's fine. Um, what's amazing about it also is that it really does fit the quarantine mold very well because you are just simply like seeing the same thing day after day. After day. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not going to say that Hulu planned this whole thing, but uh, there will be YouTube videos later that discuss that. 
Um, but I was sort of blown away with, uh, you know, how just like, you know, smart it was. Cause it, it took a premise, like you said, a time loop premise that either could get complex or it could just get a little bit repetitive or you see it the same. And it does it in a very, very different way. I was blown away by that one. It's really wild. And and like I said, it's it was surprising, I think, because we haven't had anything that original in quite some time that was also just a, a solid movie. And I think I think the bar's a little low for us, to be honest. That's this is not a knock against Palm Springs because it's a really good movie. Um, but I, I do think the bar's a little low for us being at home trying to trying to continue like enjoying film like we, we usually do. Uh, and not getting the greatest thing, the greatest things out there. But this whole past week was actually a really good weekend for releases, uh, and I'm I'm behind on the new ones uh, on all of them. But I did also watch The Old Guard, uh, which was which was fun. I think you and I talked mm-hmm. about this on the side, but um, you know there was something about The Old Guard the entire time that I could not figure out. I, I couldn't not the concept of it, but there was something about the movie that really bothered me. And I think ultimately what it did was it got really bogged down in the storytelling. And there's a good way to do that and a bad way to do do that, especially when you're setting up this new concept and new, you know, foundation for who these people are. And, you know, they're immortals that have, they're kind of like immortal superheroes in a way. Um, and Charlie Theron is ass kicking as always, but they, you know, they, every time that they were trying to develop the plot, they, focused on one-on-one conversations which just slowed everything down the action was great but in between that i kind of was like all right are we there yet (laughs) of of the movies um this weekend that came out uh which involve characters that can't die um i think (laughs) that um old guard was a little bit lacking um it was the same thing that you said i don't think that the actual legend was really explored that well so you just sort of find out at the beginning they can't die until they can die which means the stakes are both nothing and everything um and then i just found myself sort of forgetting a lot about it i think the action was great like you said and i think Charlize theron is a bona fide action star i think she great in this i really loved her but as a whole, the movie did just kind of unfortunately disappoint me. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I'm interested. And I, I, I've said this since I watched it this past weekend. I'm very interested to see where it goes. And I hope that they continue on because I do think there's a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not to give anything away, but there there is a setup for the sequel uh, or potential sequel. And I'm here for it. I was kind of I forgot about it, to be honest, until that hit. I was like, oh, OK, yeah. Um, so I, I'm all for it. I mean, it does have a great stinger at the end. I love that. Like yeah. that was that was where I was just like, okay, okay, yeah. a little bit happy there. <laughs> it's like that meme where the, the the woman's like, ugh, but then that happens and she's like, eh? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, what else have you watched? Um, I also watched one that came out uh, before uh, the pandemic started. It had uh, one week in theaters and then theaters closed, um, not because of this movie, but because of uh, <laughs> other various. Um, you know, situations. Um, but it was called uh, First Cow, um, the uh, new Kelly Reichardt movie. And um, this movie um, was exceptional, but damn, did it take his time. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is one where I wouldn't recommend it to like, you know, unless it's a cinephile friend, I wouldn't recommend it to a friend because they'll just be like, what did you just make me watch? Right. I, it was amazing. I think it was like one of uh, one of the best. Um, it was just, you know, it was about, you know, about two hours, which runtime is runtime. Um, but uh, I um, I was thoroughly impressed by how it talked about the American dream in a way that is a little bit more unique. I mean, Kelly Reichardt likes to, you know, in, in a movie, you should show, not tell. Um, but in a Kelly Reichardt movie, she shows everything and tells you nothing. And it, you know, makes it a bit of a challenge to view it. But it just also makes it something that, you know, you really do feel com- uh satisfied at the end yeah i'm i still want to see it i have not watched it because it has that feel of like i have to be in the zone and in the mood for that type of film um and i tend to watch a lot of stuff before i go to bed and if it doesn't keep my attention then i'm, I'm out and this just it strikes me as one of those movies that i'll start at like 10 p.m and fall asleep 30 minutes in and you know struggle to finish so i, I love this movie and i would fall asleep 30 minutes in. <laughs> So what about Relic? I know you and I both watched that. Um, I, so this is a film that I struggle with. And, you know, 
Rotten Tomatoes had it at I think a ninety three percent at the time that I watched it, and it was getting a lot of um, a, a lot of great press, and the social media response for it was really positive. And I I understand that, and I can see where it comes from. But the the reasoning is, you know, and so the premise of this is a uh, an older woman goes missing. The her daughter and her granddaughter show up to the house, and they're trying to find her. She shows back up, but then there seems to be something else going on. So you know, the solid question- horror movie premise. First of all, just solid horror movie premise. <laughs> I like was getting jazzed about just like you know thinking about that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so solid and. And then they add in potential dementia and other mm-hmm. aspects, but you know, there's, it's definitely a movie with a message. It's a metaphorical movie. And I, I saw that and I identified with it, or I, at least I identified that it was there, um, but I didn't connect with it. And I, I feel like, you know, that made it a mediocre movie for me. I wasn't too thrilled. I thought the payoff wasn't really there. And I've chatted with a few people uh, offline about it. And they've, they've kind of made the comment that like, you know, one individual had a family member uh, or a family experience that kind of resonated, the movie resonated with them because of that and totally get that. I love that. Um, but yeah, I, I struggled. I was bored with that movie. I don't think it did the work required to be a metaphorical horror movie. Mm-hmm. And we are talking, I for some reason, I don't know what it is, but I was obsessed with runtimes. And, you know, I saw most of the movies were a 90 minute runtime this um this weekend. Yeah. And you know, sometimes that was great, sometimes that causes the movie to be poor. I think this movie needed to take a little bit more time on some things. I think like there was some issues with me just not feeling the suspense at any point. I mean, the other problem is that um, I, I mentioned this in my review, but I have a, a very lovely living room with natural light. Um, and this is a very dark movie, so all you could see is my reflection. Um, for most of it. And, uh, you know, I like while a grandma's attacking um, her, uh, you know, granddaughter, you just see me on the couch with my quarantine bod. And that's <laughs> not really going to do anything. <laughs> and so it, it was just those little aspects that just sort of, uh, you know, I said to myself, like, this was one where if I was in theaters, I may have given it like a straight up A and just been, you know, terrified the whole time. And it's like, but really, like, you know, the home viewing took me out on this one. I think horror movies, uh, in general are that way, right? Like you need to, I think be in the mood in in the mode for them. You need to be in a proper place to watch them. Um, this is a very dark movie. And you know, I'm, I was watching it in a room that has a lot of natural light and I struggled for a lot of it. I was like trying to block out the sun coming in, um, to figure out what the hell was happening. And I still didn't figure it out, but you know, I, again, I, I liked it for certain aspects it has a lot of potential i wanted more uh and you know speaking of runtimes that was one thing about the old guard i thought as well you know even with focusing on the story and all of that they could have cut it a little bit i i felt like it could have been a tighter film if they would have streamlined the storytelling a little bit more um and really just rode the action it i think it would have been better but again i'm excited for what the future holds all right well we uh we watched a lot of movies so oh, yeah. we're, we're living up to our uh, our oath. I do technically have one more. Go for it. Greyhound. Um, I didn't watch this yet. Oh, so yeah, this was the movie about uh, Tom Hanks um, starting a bus company in Florida. And it was just like dynamite moves. So <laughs> I almost made you spit out Rita's. Okay. Um, <laughs> As, yeah, for, for people that will be listening to this, I'm literally <laughs> like smashing Rita's into my face while I'm uh, Rita's water ice while I'm. Doing this. So very professional here. Welcome to the guy at the movies live show. (laughs) (laughs) So with with this whole situation, um, Tom Hanks is a, um, I almost said submarine captain, but he is the (laughs) business of that. He is a uh, battleship captain uh, trying to get through an area that has no air support during World War II. And so German submarines uh, take hold. I think that this movie was very good um, for what it was supposed to be. Like it did a lot of great, like technical, um, real time filming. They are going through their drawn maps. They are like speaking all the codes to everybody. There's moments where I'm like, what is he doing? Wait, did they just drop a, like a bomb? What? Oh no, that was that to mess with that. And so like, it was one of those things where they did not explain anything, (laughs) but you started to understand what was going on there. Now it was, if you're expecting any sort of like, you know, like human emotion story. No, this is a movie about a submarine getting from point A 
to point B. And it's suspenseful and impactful and a great watch. But, you know, if you're expecting, like, you know, um, any sort of Hank's romance, which you get, like, two seconds of in the beginning, it's not happening. It sounds very simplistic, kind of like 1970, and, like, the core storyline of that is just following one thing happening. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's pretty much, that's a, a very apt um, comparison. I'm into it. Yeah, I need to watch it. It's on my list. That's Actually, it might be on my list tonight. Who knows? Um but yeah, I, I, Tom Hanks is one of the greats for me. Uh, so any movie that he's in, I'm like, yep, I'm there. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, he managed to carry this one. It really was. It was a good Hanks showcase, like truly. I'm excited for it. It was a big get for Apple TV Plus, especially, you know, I know Tom Hanks was a little miffed that it wasn't going to be seen in theaters. But uh, hey, good get. I'm happy to see new content like that. I should have brought that up. Um, like th- this is another one that you know I was. We were making fun of Hanks for being upset about not like people not going to the theater to see it. But honestly, I now I get it. Th- this movie was like with the sound and the like the angles of the cinematography. This movie was meant to be seen in the theater, and you know it was still very enjoyable on uh, the living room TV. It wasn't like Relic where I couldn't see anything, but uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty wonderful to still see. That's awesome. And and it ends with the the submarine scene in Aquaman, right? So it's a prequel to Aquaman? No, I was going to say that the uh, submarine ends up uh, having dementia. And so <laughs> you have to like, you know, be, be able to link those two together. And really, the submarines are dementia, yeah. That's what's going to start happening if they can't film any more movies coming up. They're just going to do crossovers of all these movies. A Relic and Greyhound crossover. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, and then you find out like in the third film that it was all a time loop. Oh, <laughs> They're doing cool. it every day. <laughs> Callbacks. There we go. <laughs> Hire us. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. So let's get to the movie news of the week. Uh, there was quite a bit of news early last week, and then it seemed to just fall apart. Like there was, hasn't been much in the past few days. Um, but some interesting things that we'll discuss. First and foremost, AMC uh, is going through some turmoil here, right? So as theaters continue to do everything that they possibly can to stay afloat during the ongoing pandemic. AMC Theaters announced that it has restructured its debt in a way that will keep the theater chain alive through next spring. You may remember that there were rumors that AMC wasn't going to make it through the summer, that if, you know, that's part of the reason I think Tenet was being pushed so much was to help some of these theater chains and small theaters out. Um, but it looks as though they are going to live to uh, to showcase films another day. Um, are you an AMC goer or what's your theater of choice? I'm a uh, bowtie cinema marquee because um, they let me put my feet up, and then eventually, sometimes there there's uh, movies at the showcase, and I feel like uh, just a you know pauper going in there and like you know just sitting in a regular seat. Like, you know, but um, I I um, the AMC's are not really too close around me. It's mainly okay. just uh, Regal and Bowtie. Yeah, but, I'm re- I'm Regal all the way. I always get a Regal. Um, but it's it's interesting with this. Like I I it just. I don't know a world without AMC and Regal near me, which sounds kind of like cheesy, but just growing mm. up, those were the theater chains around me. And AMC, I always thought was the the better one in a way. Like uh, the, that was what Regal strive to be. But meanwhile, Regal, unless they're just not talking about it, they're kind of like coasting through this. And AMC on like day two of COVID was like, well, we're not going to make it. <laughs> well, I think uh, AMC is more of the barometer for this because it's like, you know, hey, if AMC is doing bad, then the rest of the little ones are definitely doing bad. And I think that's where, um, you know, situation could be. It also could be uh, the presence of, um, you know, uh, cinemas in uh, Europe where things are starting to open up a little bit better. Um, and so, you know, like, is AMC available in Europe? I don't know. I'm just theorizing here. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, in other areas, like, you know, like Showcase, I know is a big one in the UK. And so they might be doing well. Like, you know, yeah, I haven't been to my Showcase in like, you know, five or, or six months, but. Uh, you know, they may be able to take place in the UK and be okay. Yeah. The challenge I think is they're going to run out of content. And, you know, if these new films aren't going to theaters, because of course they want the widest reach they can get. um, I don't know if it makes sense. There's a local theater near where I live uh, that just shut down. They had reopened uh, and then they shut down the inside theaters again. Uh, just because they're not getting the new content and the new content's what's going to drive people going and they're not even getting that foot traffic. So they actually, they purchased a screen for outside and they're doing like a drive-in in their parking lot, which is cool. Um, you know, and that's a little, a, a little gimmicky in a good way. Like it, it's, it's interesting for people and a fun night out, but uh, 
I don't know. I, I miss the theaters, but I'm also in no rush to get back into a closed space like that with, you know, people who have been wherever. I don't know where they've been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, I, I, I very much like anything inside for a long period of time. It's just something I don't want to be involved in. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, usually I went to see, uh, you know, the movies that uh, had two people in there anyway. Like I was going to see First Cow. <laughs> That's not exactly a blockbuster. And so like, I'm not too worried in that situation or I'd go at very odd times. So, you know, in that regard, I feel OK about it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at the health professionals and wait for them. Um, it's curious to me to think about, like, if all every single theater everywhere, all the theater chains close down. Mm-hmm. eventually there's going to be after way to distribute those movies. Now, does this mean that, you know, studios start to realize, oh, crap, we have to show our movies somehow. Maybe we figure out a way to, you know, buy these theaters out and maybe like, you know, there'll be a universal theater. There'll be, a, mm-hmm. um, a, a, for some reason, Merrimax is in my head. Merrimax, <laughs> which has been gone for a Sony while. Sony and all that. <laughs> yeah, Sony, like, um, but like, there'll be like, you know, can that happen now? You know, you you have uh, brought me on as a, a co-host, and I thank you, sir. Um, but you, our first uh, story is one that I know very little about in terms of business. So right now, I'm like, you know, grabbing at all these different. Uh, no, 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 I hear you. It, yeah. it is really fascinating. I mean, so I uh, I'm a nerd when it comes to the business behind things, and I have looked at this a lot. And part of that is. Uh, part of the theater challenge is that they don't make a lot of money off of the the movies, so to speak, right off the bat. A lot of their money is made at the concession stands. And um, what we've been seeing with theaters, even when they were reopening, is that they were limiting what was being sold there. And um, it's just I, I don't see how it makes financial sense. I actually for a long time have thought I don't know how it makes any financial sense for any theater to do anything on a good day. Um because it just seems really challenging in terms of the finances for me. Um, but, you know, you have some companies that were looking at possibly buying AMC out. Amazon was one for a, a little bit that was rumored to be in, in talks with them to, uh, to to purchase them. And that would be kind of fascinating. I mean, I know Netflix just bought um, an old theater, the El Capitan, I think. Um, and they're going to be showing like art house stuff on weekends, but then using it during the week for their premieres and stuff like that. Obviously, that's a that's one theater. It's not a chain like AMC, but I don't know. It's uh, again, I don't know how they're making it through this. I was I'm very surprised, and it, this is probably just me not being uh, knowledgeable on the subject enough. But I'm very surprised that you haven't seen AMC and Regal and Cinemark and you know the bigger chains move into more of a streaming. Uh, yeah. situation you know i know that there was that there's a um uh amc something like a, there's a streaming option where you can access something through amc but you know with amc stubs with regal unlimited I, i'm surprised that they don't want to utilize that as sort of the gatekeeper for accessing films online instead of you know going straight to VOD for 1999. Um, And, you know, that remains to be seen how profitable that is in the long term for them. But, but for theaters in particular to get a piece of that pie, to get a piece of that money and be able to still distribute the film, so to speak. I just always thought that was, that was something to look at because we're going to have, we're going to see theaters rework their business model because this is showing that they were teetering on the edge or they are teetering on the edge. Um, and who knows what it's going to look like going back. I mean, if we are in a situation where we can't be inside around a ton of people for a long period of time, it's going to hurt theaters long term. So what is the other option? And um, it's a it's an industry that has been resistant to change for quite a while. Uh, but I think their numbers up and now it's time to figure out what the future of movie theaters looks like. I mean, part of the problem here is that this article we just read has nothing to do with them trying to change their business model. It's just like, you know, hey, we figured out a way to get money for yeah. doing nothing. To it's hang like, on. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating. Because then you have you have studios that are still pumping out. They're planning their movies. Like, next year is going to be a big year. Should we be able to get back? And one of those studios is Universal. So here is my uh, my my slick... Uh, intro to the next story but you know there's universal's been really focused on their uh the the movie or the monster universe and they have now tapped toy story 4 director josh cooley to bring little monsters to life wasn't there a movie called little monsters like 
there was it was a um a zombie preschool comedy with lupita nyong'o and josh gad because um (laughs) like man (laughs) (laughs) well this little monsters is going to be a new live action hybrid it's going to be a family-friendly film that will include that will feature the universal monsters that we all know and love uh cooley is going to write and direct and it's just kind of interesting we know that Back a couple of years ago, they tried kickstarting the dark universe and really bringing their monsters back to the forefront. I think the new uh, Epic Universe theme park is going to have a big section of the park focused on monsters as well. So, you know, Universal is going back to its, uh, you know, its foundation of having that great property, those great properties. But we also had the Invisible Man this past year. Um, Paul Feig is working on a Dark Army movie. Um, and then we also have the Wolfman that's coming out with uh, uh, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. I almost said Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, that's not him. <laughs> um, with Ryan Gosling. So this is just another monstrous property. It sounds kind of different. Yeah, this one looks very interesting to me. Um, they're very they're very tight lipped about it, but um, I love what has been going on with you know the quote unquote movie universes at this time because <laughs> I think they've all have the uh, the plan that they're like, listen, we're not going to be Marvel, and you know Marvel took its time. Marvel did it before anyone else did really when it came to universes, with the exception of a few different things here and there. But Marvel did it bigger than anything. Um, so then when the dark universe came out, that was a, a, a fair, fairly, uh, terrible disaster. Um, and so they just said, all right, let's just break this completely down and let's have these, um, these directors do their own thing with each of these movies. The invisible man doesn't feel like it's part of a universe at all. Yeah. It was its own story being told that was a lot different. I know, uh, Leah Winnell, the person that, uh, did, uh, um, did invisible man is also going to be doing the Wolfman movie, which, you know. Yeah. Sounds good. I, you know, I'd love for them to do other directors, but this guy's awesome, and you know, he's going to bring in this wolf. That sounds perfect to me. Um, with this, it's once again, this is like something else where it's just let's just take all of these characters, let's not try to connect a universe, and let's just like have some fun with the properties. Um, I think that uh, you know, honestly, the DCEU like started to do this, where you know, like the Justice League is a fun little movie, but then they said, you know what, we didn't really do a good job with the universe. So now let's just have like, you know, a simple movie here, a simple movie here. And let's just like, you know, separate it out a little bit and just have a little bit more fun and make separate movies. And then if things can, you know, co coexist later, they can. Yeah. Uh, it creates more enjoyable movies in that regard. Yeah. When you're not trying to force it, I think that definitely makes for a better film. I, I don't know what this is going to look like though. Like I, I just think of, like a Goosebumps live action type yeah. film. I think of, and only because I watched it tonight for some god awful reason, but mm-hmm. uh, Scooby Doo 2, Monsters Unite or whatever. Monsters, Monsters Unleashed. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Um, which has one of my favorite lines of any movie in it, though. And I, I completely forgot about it until it happened. Shaggy's like, this is uh, this is tied for the worst day e- or the scariest day ever. And they're like, with what day? And he's like, every freaking day ever. <laughs> I love that. I, I don't know. remember this line delivery. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I'm into it. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I hope that it's that it keeps with some of the established vibes that they've already uh, worked on. So meaning that you have invisible man that did have another message behind it with domestic abuse. And, you know, they've, they've kind of established that and it worked well. Um, Obviously I don't think they're going to go too deep with any messaging here um, since it looks like it's going to be family friendly, but I want, I want them to have the opportunity to allow this film and the monsters and however they represent them to play in the other, the world that the others live in at some point. So I hope they don't just set themselves too far apart that that's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. I could see this as just um, being like an ode to the old universal uh, monsters. And that's what I love is just having an ode to the old Hollywood kind of thing with its modern take. Yeah. I think that would be, you know, something a little bit fascinating. The comments that we're getting here is uh, make it a remake of monster squad uh, written by James Gunn. I, it always surprises me that, uh, James Gunn did the Scooby-Doo movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, wrote them. And, uh, you know, there's actually news that broke about that this week, too, a little bit. Um, it was revealed that Velma was going to be oh. a, le- a lesbian. Yes. Uh, but the studio kind of pushed that out. 
Um, cause I think in an upcoming animated movie or something, she's going to be a lesbian. And I, that's kind of like one of the worst kept secrets to me. I always expected that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's one of those things like, there's so many of those. I mean, you know, where it's, uh, you know, was it peppermint patty is technically a lesbian and stuff like that. You have all of those going on. Like, and <laughs> you, know, you look at those, you know, and they're from the stereotypes. They're from like the classic characters. Then they're theorized and fetishized and, you know, it turns into uh, something that could actually occur. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, um, James Gunn has said that the third Scooby-Doo was going to be darker. I don't know how we got on Scooby-Doo. I don't know why I made that left turn today, but, um, I don't know. It was one of those days where I was just needing something mindless. Um, but yeah, so little monsters, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but speaking of kind of how we take characters and we fetishize them or sexualize them, remember the bat nipples in Batman forever? You are the king of, uh, <laughs> Of, of <laughs> segues into new stories and that, that is just brilliant moves right there. Yes, I do remember the bad news. <laughs> A sentence well, that I never thought I'd say. You uh, may be in luck, Sean, because you could get a 170-minute cut of Bat Nipples because Variety is reporting that the late Joel Schumacher, director of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin that we don't talk about, uh, created a much longer cut of Batman Forever that clocks in around 170 minutes. Cut is said to be darker in tone, featuring more scenes with Jim Carrey's Riddler. And that was one of Jim Carrey's best roles in my mind because he was just batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, and then it will dive more into this. It's said to dive more into the psychological issues that are plaguing Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne. Uh, and I believe it was Nicole Kidman that played the love interest slash uh, psychiatrist or psychologist there. Um, and apparently there's no discussions taking place, but what we've learned recently is that doesn't mean anything because we yeah. get Zack Snyder's justice league cut next year. And I'm a very big proponent of like, if something exists like that thrown on HBO max, what are you going to do with it otherwise? Well, I mean, that's what I'm wondering about this stuff. With uh, director's cuts, I, I am very, it's its very difficult for me. Um, on one hand, I'm a purist, where I say, if it was released in a theater like that, that is how we should watch it. That's it. Right? <laughs> on the other hand, though, a lot of times things are reduced, to, uh, like are released in the theater and scenes are cut out because the studio doesn't want them in there and stuff like that. And so they want the, the true director's vision. And so that's good to have in a cut. On the other, other hand, sometimes the director really doesn't need to do all that stuff, like a Jabba the Hutt scene in the first Star Wars. <laughs> we don't exact. And so I go back and forth with this. I say to myself, like, it's fine. It's cool. It's like you said, just throw it on there. Like, let's give it a try. Let's get those director's cuts there just to see them, just to see what there is. Other times I think about maybe the effects weren't done on certain parts of it, and so it just really wouldn't look right. And that could be the case with the Schumacher cut mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there was a lot of stuff going around, going on in the background of those damn movies. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I love the idea of getting more into the, uh, the uh, psyche of Batman and the mental health of Batman because I, I heard this uh, the other day um, where I, I think it's very public knowledge, but uh, where Michael Keaton, when he was wanting to be the, in the first Batman, he told Tim Burton, he's like, I can't do this role. He's like, why? It's like, because I want to play him like an insane person. He is someone who's crazy. And the only way to deal with the fact that his parents are dead, like, is to, like, you know, literally dress up as a bat and fight crime. He's supposed to be a crazy person. And Burton's like, no, no, let's do that. Let's go, let's go down that direction. And so I think that's a great way of looking at Batman, which, you know, the Nolan Batman movies are amazing. But they don't exactly go that far. He's a conflicted, tortured person. But, you know, th there's no eccentric nature to those movies like these have. Um, so, in, in, in like, you know, I, I really go back and forth on different director's cuts. I'm interested about the, um, you know, the Snyder cut as well. Like, I'm curious, like, will it make it better? Will it make I, – I don't know. I genuinely don't. Like, I, but I'm, I'm always – I'd be curious to see them. But in my opinion, the original film is the original film. <laughs> Yeah, there. That's a whole other conversation because the yeah, the, Snyder, <laughs> the Snyder cut has so much behind it um, that affected why there's a whole other story out there. Um, but if you want to learn more about that, there is a quick bite uh, pod dropping on Friday. I had the opportunity to interview Sean O'Connell uh, from Cinema Blend, who is uh, writing. Actually, just finished his book, which is released the Snyder cut, but it is a detailed. Uh, look at the movement, the release of Snyder Cut movement and the ins and outs of it. So it really highlights the people that were involved uh, and gets into a lot of the challenges behind the scenes with the film. So um, 
I had the opportunity to interview him yesterday. We had a great conversation. I'm very excited for that, but I'll, I'll drop that on Friday so everyone can learn about it and pre-order and get excited for that. But that is not the Joel Schumacher cut. Um, what's interesting about Schumacher is uh, number one, he, you know, he's, he's the director that he is. He's a, he was a great, rea- a great director. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew what they were getting when they brought him on, but what they wanted to do with these two movies and them being, or they being the studio, they wanted to, uh, make it more marketable and be able to, again, toys. And I think McDonald's had a big push in it too. McDonald's was like, we want to be able to put toys in our, our, you know, uh, happy meals and stuff. But, uh, you, you got a very fun movie in my in my opinion. I do like Batman Forever. It's I, I think Jim Carrey's incredible. I think Tommy Lee Jones is incredible. Apparently, those two hated each other on set, which is a whole other thing for me. And I would love to read more about that and learn more about that. Um, but I feel a certain way about director's cuts. I it annoys me that there are director's cuts, and the reason I say that is because. You know, I'm a big proponent of you hire someone to do a job uh, in terms of creating a film, and that's the film that you should put out. Um, anytime that a studio interferes, or anytime that things are cut, that you know, maybe for time or something like that, it, it messes with the overall intent of the story. Um, so I, I'm interested to see it. Does it is it going to change the movie at all or like make it a much better movie? No, I think what it what it does is it just changes the focus of the movie um, and probably the tone a little bit. Um, and then I guess Schumacher just didn't care when he got the Batman and Robin and he was like, yeah, we'll just go insane with this one. <laughs> it's it's so funny that you mentioned that uh, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones uh, didn't like each other because um, I could I could have guessed that just by the names Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> You know, you think about a guy that's just like absolutely crazy all the time and the most gruff, calm person ever. I mean, of course, those two are gonna, but it, it, I, I think it made for like some very interesting chemistry. Yeah, definitely. And they're two fun characters. I'm excited to see if Riddler like makes his way into any of the movies coming, uh, coming out in the future. Um, the 17,000 Batman properties that are in the works. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was a, a in, Batman versus Superman, there's a, a question mark in the back of one of the scenes. So they were hinting that he's in that in that world. Um, and then I guess in uh, the original Christian Bale series in Christopher Nolan's um, Batman series, the third film, the studio was pushing for Riddler. Mm-hmm. I remember the rumors were going around about Riddler or a Penguin. And yeah, the two big ones. They wanted uh, the rumor that I read was that they wanted Leo DiCaprio for it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I thought that was very fascinating. But um, mm. hey, we ended up with Bane. Couldn't really hear him. It was more like all the time. It annoyed me so much in that movie. But but the Schumacher cut. I mean, I'm again with HBO Max. Go for it. Throw it on HBO Max. You have nothing to lose there. It's just sitting collecting dust. So we shall see. But. I don't have a good transition for this. One. I was going to thinking about one too. I was like, speaking of bat nipples, <laughs> I was going to be like, speaking of not seeing bird box is getting a sequel. Um, so we learned this week that Josh Mallerman, who is the author of the original novel bird box that the Netflix film was uh, based on. Uh, he's releasing a sequel that is also being developed into a film already. The, uh, the book comes out next week, I believe actually um, Mallory, a bird box novel picks up 12 years after the events of the first film. Mallory is Sandra Bullock's character, so we're still seeing her. Um, And I believe it says that there are lingering questions about the creatures, and they may be adapting or evolving in a different way, uh, and new revelations about someone from her past that may not be uh, dead. (laughs) Um, So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you mean that one person she was hanging out with how about no, that? that one person <laughs> um the book will be released on july 21st and again development's already begun on the film so did you like bird box did you see it i had a few issues with it i think it was a marginally average movie um you know i can't imagine a um a the happening and a quiet place uh crossover going well but as far as that is it went pretty okay um, I think that uh, my issues with it um, was that um, the universe was not explored properly, which is why a sequel 
maybe like you know i like a sequel might be the way to go with it i i might like get to explore a little bit more the fact that you just told me it's about the same character means that probably won't happen so <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I personally just, you know, I had some issues with it. I had some issues with the fact that it Netflix definitely sent out a lot of like, you know, dummy Instagrams to post memes because everybody watched this just because of the memes. And that really, really like, you know, gets in my craw because I'm, I'm so, I, I, I don't have proof that Netflix did that, but I'm certain they did some massive meme marketing because they tried to do it with Marriage Story, which didn't exactly work the, either. But um, I, I just think that with this, um, it could be interesting. Netflix will get their machine going and hype it up again. Um, so you know, I it might be okay. I'm, it was an okay movie, like yeah. that, like. And so you know, do, is it something that I'm going to be excited about for a sequel? No, but is it something I'll dread? Not really. No. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I was I was fine with the movie in general. Um, there's you want to see how petty I get with movies. Yeah. There is one thing in this movie that sticks with me to this day that annoyed the absolute hell out of me. Um, I hate continuity errors because there are people that are paid to watch for them. Um, and clearly they missed this one, but when the, she's in the boat with boy and girl and they're sitting like they, I think they had blindfolds on or something. They cut over to the girl a couple of times. Maybe it's boy. I don't know. It's so long ago, but one of them, um, each time they go back to her or him, the blindfolds in a different position oh, and boy. it drives me absolutely insane i don't know why um but i remember watching it being like oh, okay this is fine and then that happened i'm like mm, don't like it this isn't good i love how that's what bothered you instead of them painting the car windows black and saying how will we see we'll use gps <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> when that one i mean i think that was great um i can't remember the actor but he was in moonlight and he just really like the line delivery of that it's like he knew that was really stupid so yeah <laughs> I'm like, well done, sir. Yeah, and then I guess the ending, um, not to spoil it for anyone, but the well, it's been out a few years, right? So that's okay. Is that the rule? Is that let's set that rule? Um, the the ending was different than the book. Apparently, I guess the original ending in the book was more gruesome, um, where instead of like finding this like haven where they're able to live and see and whatever, um, <laughs> they cut their eyes out. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Netflix opted to change that, um, but well, that uh, been a way worse bird box challenge because oh, well, people only like you know walking around with blindfolds. But if they had that ending, the bird box challenge would have been a lot worse. My God, that was like Tide Pod time as well. So could you oh, imagine? Um, but that makes it that raises the question for me: What is the sequel going to look like? You know, what are we going to get? Are we going to get? I'm I'm assuming we're going to get a direct sequel to his book because it's his story and all that, but. Um, will Netflix be able to, you know, adapt that into a more family friendly? Because uh, the other thing I read was I think this is going to be a little more crazy and like darker. So, which I'm always for. I love dark stuff. Apparently, well, I, I mean, to, you know, Bird Box was probably watched by people that were far too young to watch it, but it wasn't meant for people that were far too young to watch it. Like yeah. it was, it was a pretty, you know, it, it was, you know, if you saw the thing, which that's all right, come on, um, <laughs> but it makes you kill yourself. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's like let's because then the thing is like right next to them, and then they get pulled into the school for the blind. Yeah, yeah. You know. I don't know. I, I do want to explore it more. I guess it's kind of like the old guard for me. I would like to to know mm -hmm. more. So if they give more answers in the next one, I'll watch it. Let's be real. But um, <laughs> I'm not like, you know, counting down the days for it. Um, so they are our quick hit stories. But here's our top story of the week. Right. We got to focus on the fact that Disney is once again making a live action film. And the news that came out is that Jude Law is going to play Captain Hook. So Variety is reporting that Jude Law's in talks to play the infamous villain as Captain in Disney's upcoming live-action Peter Pan adaptation that is called Peter Pan and Wendy. So this is, uh, by my count, the 97th Peter Pan movie. The film is expected to be a the theatrical release, and it won't find its way exclusively to Disney+. Plus. Uh, a lot of people were thinking that it was going to go straight there, similar to how uh, Lady and the Tramp did. What are your thoughts? I don't know. Good casting. 
<laughs> like, it was just like, yeah, cool. It's a sexy British guy. Like, you know, Hook was like an older, ugly guy in the in the cartoon. I mean, not that you could be attracted to a cartoon, or you could, but yeah. um, I, I, like, it was just one of those things where like make it a little bit more fun instead of like always choosing a really good looking British guy. Like, you know, the past few have been, you know, well, you know, Dustin Hoffman is Dustin Hoffman, but you know, then you'd have uh, Jason Isaacs would mm -hmm. be in there, and I just think that you know, I. First of all, the fact that I'm able to rattle off several different live-action Captain Hook casting is probably one of the like the biggest problems here. Um, <laughs> is that um, you know, like you said, 97th Peter Pan. Now I was going to correct you. That's the 97th uh, this uh, this decade. There have uh, been 126 of them actually. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I think about this and I say um, it's been explored in every facet. It's like, what if Peter Pan grew up? The origin story of Peter Pan. What if Peter Pan wasn't there at all? What if, like, you know, Peter Pan, like, what if the mermaids were, like, dragons? Which was actually kind of one of them. Like, and I... I uh, and we, we can get into the uh, different Disney live actions in a moment. But for me, it's just, I, I think that, you know, okay, yeah, sure, British guy. A lot of these live action Disney things become this fan casting where it's like, wouldn't it be cool if this person played this and this person played this. And, and then it's like, Oh, and then it actually happens and you're kind of bored with it. Yeah. I, Peter Pan to begin with is not one of my favorites. Um, I'm, I mean, it's a story that I think we all know because it's, you know, a rite of passage to watch that Disney animated movie, but I, I don't know. That's one of the ones that I'm like, I don't really need to see a live action version of this. Are you a live action fan? Do you like what Disney's doing with pretty much just, dipping back into their well of uh, properties and being like, okay, now it's going to be live action. So um, I don't like it. Um, and um, I really don't like it at all. <laughs> unless, unless you bring something new and original to the story. I'll give a few examples, even though some of them are bad examples, but you know, probably one of my favorite live action ones was, you know, the jungle book, you know, same story did the live action did something new with it. Like, you know, made it a little bit different, made it a little more original. And it was something where I was like, oh, okay, I kind of like this. Um, then you have like, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and um, Lion King, which really just did exactly what the animated version was. Now, do I like the animated version? I love the animated versions of those. <laughs> do I get a little bit of nostalgia when I see them? Yes. You know what else can give me nostalgia? Going to watch those again. I don't need to see like, and it just gets into one of these things where I'm like watching the same exact thing over and over again. And you know, I don't need to see a realistic version of uh, Lemure, the candle in Beauty and the Beast, because you know he's a candle that talks. He's not real. I don't need to see the realistic version of that. All right. And then like Lion King is like 20 or 30 minutes longer because they have a dung beetle like you know pushing a piece of crap. <laughs> with uh, Simba's mane in there, which I think by then has lost its scent because it's passing through an animal. But, you know, other than that, the, the story is an exact carbon copy. And, you know, Lion King's just an animated movie anyway. And so <laughs> I think about this stuff, and I'm like, I, I, this is my rule when it comes to movies that are coming out. I'm like, you know, hey, it's, it's a very simplistic statement, but it's one that I really try to live by. Hey, if it's good, it's good. And that's true. Like, so I think about that with Lion King. I'm like, hey, if it's going to be good, then it's good. Or, you know, and then it wasn't, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and then things like that. Now, you know, tell a different story with the live action remake. You know, I right. think about Maleficent, which is a bad example, but, um, you know, they were at least saying like, okay, instead of doing Sleeping Beauty again, let's actually try a different perspective with this. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. So as well with like, you know, Mirror Mirror, like a few different ones, Snow White and the Huntsman, but yeah. Yeah, which wasn't Disney, but I, I agree oh. with with the stories. Like, definitely, um, I, they have a lot of success focusing on villains. So I'm kind of into. I mean, you're seeing that with DC too, right? I think we find villains to be more interesting and more complex, and it's parts of the story that we haven't uh, jumped into before. But so I, I'm with you. I love the Jungle Book. I that was actually a very surprising film to me because it's just really well done. Um, and that was Favreau too, right? That's what was so disappointing about Lion King for me. It's like, oh, Favreau's involved, so he's going to kind of do it differently. Mm. Yeah, Lion King just didn't have much heart to it, and it also has, again, a terrible line in it. Um, the, 
Beyonce when like near the end she's like lions attack and I'm like oh okay this is really great so here here's here's my take on Beyonce she is an exceptional performer she is the queen she is amazing she you know is just like absolutely an amazing music producer but uh, she was caps lock acting in that where it was just the like I mean like you can't do this scar like and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, she was terrible in that. I was not a fan. Um, but, you know, Aladdin is one of those that I really liked. And I think part of that is I love the music, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they did something different with it a little bit. They they really enhanced Jasmine's uh, role um, and made it more about, you know, her stepping into her father's role as sultan and there not being a female sultan before. And I just I really enjoyed that. Um, Jafar was a little underwhelming for me. Yeah. But, that was the rough part for that one, yeah. Yeah, but I love Mina Musad and um, oh, I'm forgetting her name. Oh my gosh, uh, oh, 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 the one that played Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in uh, Power Rangers as well. Um, and, uh, Charlie's Angels reboot. That's exactly right. Um, but yes, they were great together. They had great chemistry, and from what I remember, reports a couple months ago, they were working on a sequel, um, and there are two straight to DVD or straight to cassette. <laughs> um, sequels that they said they're not going to pull straight from, but they're going to incorporate them into an original story. And I'm, I'm for that. I, I think that would be fun to see. Um, but there's definitely aspects of Aladdin that then can roll into that should roll into whatever they do next because of Jafar being a genie now and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, and, and another aspect of that was you have an iconic role that Robin Williams was uh, rem- is remembered for to this day. And Will Smith, I think, Step stepped in, made it his own, mm-hmm. um, but did pay homage to uh, Robin Williams. So um, I was impressed with the Will Smith performance because it was great to just see Will Smith having fun again. Because yeah. we haven't so seen true. that in a while. Like we've seen him take baths with jellyfish, and I was just ready for him to finally, like you know, just like just have some fun for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I liked Beauty and the Beast too. But I, I, I'm with you. I think they need this is all money grab we know this it's they know they can make money off of these timeless tales and so they're just making them live action um lady and the tramp it's because they want to um it's because they want to uh explore the characters in a new light and show uh show the characters to the families and stuff like that it has nothing to do with money this is disney we're talking about joe come on now that's why we're getting a guest on in lefou prequel series on disney plus so yes please i'll take (laughs) I mean, come on! Like that's going to be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, do you you know they're going to keep doing it? So it's not even worth me asking. Do you think this is going to keep going? Um, See, I, I, I was thinking about it, and I just said, like, you know, it, we could real. I could really be a jerk um, and say, um, how how come you haven't done the uh, Pocahontas live action, which would definitely be the most problematic thing um, they could do. So they'll never go there. But it, except they're going to uh, you know certain segments of Peter Pan. Um, when I look at it, I think about um, Hunchback of Notre Dame um, would be a very interesting one because that's not really a Disney IP. And so, you know, what could what could you do with that that would be a little bit different? Yeah. I think, uh, Frollo is an extremely dark villain that we don't give enough like that. That is messed up kind of stuff that he's that. Um, so there, there could be stuff there, which I, I like. Those are the two where I'm thinking, oh, yeah, they're never going to touch those like yeah. without a doubt. Um, the one I want to see, and I've heard it happening, um, because it, they, if they made this dark, it would be great, um, is Pinocchio. Hmm. Um, they did a live-action remake with Jonathan Taylor Thomas that we're not going to talk about at all. Um, but like Pinocchio, and I heard Guillermo del Toro might be attached. These were all rumors at this point. but that That's could- what I had heard as well. I was trying to remember who I heard attached to it. That could be fun. Cause they could make that a little bit dark, you know, just like, and really like, cause you know, there's a, there's a ride where the kids turn into donkeys and Guillermo del Toro will make kids cry. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's a terrifying film. Like there are certain scenes in Disney movies that are absolutely terrifying when you go back to look at, and that's one of them. Like they turn children into donkeys. Um, so that, I think that would be good. And I think that is in the works. We know the little mermaids in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, they made some rumblings. Uh, there were some rumblings, and they made some headlines with casting choices there because they uh, cast a a woman, a biracial woman, and people lost their minds about that. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. I, they know what they're doing. Like that's the thing with Disney. They don't. They take chances in terms of like 
it's gonna this sounds kind of funny because we're talking about how they just make carbon copy movies but i'm like they take chances um but like the lion king that was new uh new technology to make it such an immersive cg experience and you know that it it was a beautiful looking film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but there's uh, there's a lot that i think they could do now like will they ever get to like bambi which is something that one of my followers uh commented like could you imagine a bambi movie i thought about that one (laughs) um some of the others when i asked on instagram uh nightmare before christmas was an interesting one um i don't know how you would do that is that is that disney that's Uh, disney wow um so with that one yeah i think like with a stop motion animated i think it's yeah, like I, all of them are creatures anyway, so they would just be live action skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> so I it, it would be a little bit like Lion King, where it's just another animated movie. <laughs> like true. Yeah. The other ones that came out were uh, Princess and the Frog was uh, interesting, and I think that could be a good one. And mm-hmm. the the time is ripe for that because Princess and the Frog has been in the news, um, you know, in response to all the racial turmoil that was happening, or it continues to happen in the country. Um, Disney announced that they're going to uh, repurpose and retheme Splash Mountain, which is a very problematic, very <laughs> problematic ride, um, very problematic movie that it's based on. Uh, and they're going to retheme that to Princess and the Frog, which is great because it's the first African American uh, princess, uh, first Black princess, I should say. Yeah. Um, and the, I'm I'm all for that. I think that would be a great film. It's very underrated. The music in that is great, and the villain in that is somewhat terrifying. That came at a time where it was just like people were done with the Disney animated. I remember mm-hmm. when that came out, and everyone was just like, "No, nah, no, nah, Disney animated sucks." But that was a good one that just kind yeah. of like went under the radar. I mean, now like Disney Animated's come back, um, and but at that point it was just one of those things where they were doing things like Home on the Range. At that point, it was just like they were in a drought. At that, they were just dying, and so you know, Princess and the Frog kind of got them out of a little bit of a you know pickle. It's true. It's true. And I mean, they, it remains marketable. There's toys for Princess and the Frog. That stuff's still out there. So it's not one of the forgotten ones like Home on the Range, like you mentioned. Um, Brother Bear, which is one of my personal favorites. That Ooh, Brother Bear. I forgot about Brother yeah. Bear. Doesn't get much attention, but I love Brother Bear. That would kind of be cool live action, I think. That would be interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um, the other ones that popped up, The Emperor's New Groove, which I don't think is Disney. Um, that no. is Disney, no. Is uh, it? It's it's very unlike Disney, but it is Disney, yeah. Okay, um, it's an odd one. <laughs> Treasure Planet and Atlantis. Um, I know Treasure Planet has kind of like a cult following, um, so that would be interesting. Those would both be rather interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Atlantis was one that, like, you know, they they looked like regular humans anyway. Like they it was, it was already an intense, violent movie. I mean, I, I you know, it would just look the same to me. <laughs> the problem with Atlantis or doing that right now is there's so many different takes on Atlantis coming out. Um, you know, we have there's a, a new version that of it of the story of Atlantis that is written by someone that is slipping my mind right now, but it's in production, I think, at Universal. And then of course you have Aquaman, and then of course we may be going to Atlantis in um Black Panther 2 or one of the Marvel movies whenever they introduce Namor. So there's just so much being done with that. I, I just I worry that we're gonna get oversaturated with Atlantis. Yeah, I thought you were saying it was, I thought you were going to go a lot darker and say we're going to Atlantis as in, you know, ocean levels rising and stuff and I was like, "Oh god." <laughs> I could that's a metaphor that I could uh run with for the state of the United States right now, but um the one that I really want to see and I know this is in development. Um and I it's funny we were uh, we're a big Disney family and my mother and I sometimes like when we're like stressed out with life we'll be like do you want to go to Disney um and so we'll like book a trip for a few months and just go down for like four days um so we went down in feb uh end of january or feb maybe it was february uh before everything happened and we we're in one of the parks and i remember saying you know what movie i want to see it would be really cool if they would do like a lilo and stitch live action like that would be really cool to me um and literally the week after they announced that they're developing that for disney plus i was like yes <laughs> so I, Stitch is one of my favorite characters because he's just ridiculous. Yeah, so I would absolutely be on board with that. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, any others that you you would be on board with that you know you you want to see that you're dying to see and you're gonna you know take Sam to see at midnight when it comes out? I mean, she she is the one that I would uh, go see them with because she's the one that advocates for them the most. Um, <laughs> I'd say you know much like our uh, sequel question um, like last week. 
it's one of those things where, you know, right now I don't want to see any of them, mm-hmm. but if they present themselves, you know, and they're interesting, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing it. So like the same thing with like a sequel. I feel like, you know, when a, when a movie's told the story's done, you know, go to the next movie and stuff like that. Um, I think with like, you know, the same thing with a Disney thing. It's like, I think they told the story. I don't know if there's really a different aspect they need to tell. Now, if it could be an interesting live action one, yeah, I'll be happy to see it. I'll, I'll be interested in seeing any of them for yeah. me personally. It just doesn't feel like, you know, it's worth doing any. Yeah. And I feel like uh, one we didn't mention that is coming out whenever theaters reopen and it's able to is Mulan. Um, and Mulan's one that when I first saw the the teaser for it, I was thinking, oh, God, no, like uh, this doesn't look good, whatever. But when I saw the actual trailer, the full trailer for it, it blew me away. And I, I know from reading that they've done they've gone the great lens to make sure that it's you know culturally accurate and that it represents that culture in a proper light. And uh, I'm just I'm very excited for it because I think it looks really good and it gets me kind of amped up. I always forget about that one coming out because it does look like just a regular classic war movie instead of a Disney live action remake. And that alone just like says to me, okay, that's one I'm going to, that that's one where they say something different. They're going to do something different. Hopefully. I mean, you know, some people were upset, like Mushu's not going to be it. And I'm like, good. Watch right. the animated one. If you want to see Mushu. I'm right. With that. <laughs> yeah. And they took a lot of the music out of it um, from what I understand. So it's not going to have like, uh, like I'll make a man out of you and all that stuff. And, um, but Hey, it, it looks really good. I'm all about that, especially with a, a story that is based in such deep, rich culture. Exactly. Um, I love that they're, they're giving it time to breathe and they're actually going to, you know, explore that instead of Disney-fying everything. But yeah. I don't know. Disney, the one thing with Disney is I can sit here and criticize all their films, but I will be going to see them. They're always old faithfuls. Like, I know that, you know, maybe it's not going to be the best, but I'll enjoy it. (laughs) I mean, listen, I criticize Beauty and the Beast, but there was a moment where, you know, like when uh, when Emma Watson came out of the little cod and she was like, little town. I got got a little chills. Then the rest of the movie happened, but like you know, I, like I think that's a good movie. <laughs> like, I, was just, I was like, okay, okay, like I, I get what you're doing, Emma. Well she was really good in that role. I was she impressed. Did that very nicely. That was yeah. she did do that properly. Very, very impressed with that. Very impressed that we made it through our second episode uh, together, but also our first episode with you as the official new co-host. How do you feel? You know what? It feels absolutely great. I, you know, one of my one of my goals was to, um, you know, have a podcast about movies, um, just because like that's the only way I, I just need to talk about them constantly. Um, and it's even better that you do all the work and I just come <laughs> on here and talk. Um, <laughs> so right off the bat, I just want to once again, I don't know how many times I'll be able to thank you for this, but thank you for choosing me as a co-host. I'm very excited for this and still having a great time. Awesome, awesome. Well, hopefully that continues. Um, but does that mean you peaked like this was the goal and now you have the podcast? So is that it for you? Like, Oh, I thought I was way better last time too. So like, I'm, <laughs> like this is it. Like I'm on the downward trend, but you're <laughs> going to get worse every time it may plateau, but like, that's how this is going to go. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we're going to need some more movie news to pop up because, uh, some of the stories that come out are just not, not anything I would want to dive into in a podcast. Yeah. Um, but when, when I saw the, the stuff about the Disney live action with, uh, Jude law, I was like, here we go again. Um, I think that came out just after we, uh, wrapped, like, you know, it was, it was literally on, um, you know, Wednesday. I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's how it always happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the way that like life is right now, Wednesday seems like it was three years ago. So I'm like, wait, did we, <laughs> did we talk about this? <laughs> All right. Well, that's all the news for this week. That's the pod for this week. As always, keep your eye on guyatthemovies.com for the latest movie news throughout the week. Sean, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at mathteachermovies. Come on and talk to me about movies. (laughs) Definitely do that. Uh, This week's new releases, absolutely nothing. There is nothing coming out this week. I think we kind of shot it all last week. So we had last week Palm Springs. Uh, Greyhound, Relic, and the Old Guard are the ma- the major ones. First Cow also is on yeah, video on demand, um, so definitely check those out. And upcoming events wise, next Wednesday night, the twenty second, on the Guy at the Movies YouTube channel is Guys Movie Quizzo Star Wars Edition. So join in for the fun at seven thirty. I'm terrified to make these questions because we know how Star Wars fans are. Um, so if I mess one up, it's going to be terrible. Oh God. 
So nervous. Just what you do is you ask, um, was Last Jedi the best Star Wars movie or a better Star Wars movie? Maybe, maybe we'll have that debate coming up uh, on the podcast. We'll save that for a week where there's not much news. We'll just dive into Star Wars and tear oh, everything apart. God help us if we do. <laughs> oh, God. So, as always, you can catch Guy at the Movies Live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern with Sean and I and catch it via the podcast on Wednesday mornings. Just search the Guy at the Movies podcast uh, with Joe and Sean on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, all of those crazy ones. Uh, and you will find it. We will have a new cover art photo tomorrow, so please do not do not freak out when you don't see a Simpsons S picture. We are still the same people. Uh, and finally, please wear your damn masks because we need to. All right, see you next week. Uh-huh.